0: You're listening to SportsNet today with Logan Gordon on SportsNet 960 The Fan. Alright, rolling on this hour
1: from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios. Logan Gordon along with you. For our friends at Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, Crack Foundation, Boeing Foundation, Walls, they have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact basement systems. They are all things basement. You visit them at DL Basement Systems. Com. Hour one in the books includes a chat with David Amber, our pal from Hockey Night in Canada, Sportsnet studio host, going around some of the biggest stories across the NHL if you missed it. Check it out on the podcast, Google, Amazon, Spotify, or your favorite pod catcher. Pods go up minutes after every hour finishes here on Sportsnet 960. Reminder, the fan feedback line open to you. Use a text at 960-960. If you're listening live want to get in on the conversation, check the text line a little bit later on this afternoon. Of course, we kicked off the show talking about the Calgary Flames, and that's where we'll continue the conversation this hour as we bring in our pal Julian McKenzie from The Athletic. He joins us down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline following a 4-3 overtime victory in Seattle on Monday night. J-Mac, how's it hanging, pal?
0: It's hanging, man. Good to hear your voice. How you doing?
1: I'm great, man. Uh, Always great to chat with you. Always appreciate the time uh, you make for us here on Sportsnet 960. Um, Lots to talk about with this team right now, man. Uh, Uh, Four-game point streak, I should say. They're 3-0-1 in their last four. Picked up a big win last night in Seattle, and I guess let's just start there. Um, What were your impressions of this group as they continue to be undefeated at climate pledge arena
0: i have to say that the the confidence around this team is noticeably different from what we saw from them during this losing streak and for those players in that room they really needed these wins uh you go back to the vancouver win you go back to the montreal win um the islanders game doesn't go their way but like you you look at the seattle win and it's back on their in their way again and They look better. They objectively look better. They look quicker. Seeing young players like Martin Pospisil get involved and Connor Zary had that point streak to start off his time with the Flames too. um, That's a really good sign for this team. It's just that, like, could you imagine if the team just didn't go on a six-game losing streak to start off the year (laughs) and then they had this happen? Because it feels like, you know... Even if they play as well as they play, I mean that that road trip with with games in in Dallas and, and Vegas. I think Colorado's part of that road trip too. Like it's going to be tough mm-hmm. for these guys to get wins on them. And even if they do play relatively well, there are still questions about whether or not this roster, as constructed, is viable enough to go into the playoffs with. And you know we we hear we hear guys all the time say, "Hey, you know what? Anything can happen when you get in." Can the Calgary Flames afford to do that with all these pending UFAs at the ready to be moved, at the ready for them to accumulate assets? Like, it sort of feels bittersweet. Now, you know, there's time before the deadline, but like, what would we be saying about this team, even if they didn't get off to like a winning start, but if they didn't have that massive losing streak to start the year? What would we be saying about the Calgary Flames if they had a so so start and then they did this? Like, I I would, I would, I would be very curious to know compared to now where it seems like even if they end up on this this good road trip, like a retool feels inevitable with this roster.
1: Yeah, it, I'm with you. It kind of feels like the beginning of this season answered some of the questions that a lot of people were worried about because how much of the conversation coming into the season, Julian, was what if this team does get off to a good start and you didn't sign anybody except for Michael Backlund, and can you head to the trade deadline second in the pacific division can you head to the trade deadline even in a wild card spot and still maintain that hey if you're not signed by the trade deadline and you're a UFA we're we're moving on from you right that was everybody's worst case scenario to start the year and mm-hmm. i'm not saying it can't happen but i think we know what the odds are for for teams to get back into that position by Uh, U.S. Thanksgiving and it would have to I I don't know what the exact number is but you'd have to imagine the play would have to continue pretty close to that kind of winning clip that they've been on lately if they want to even have that conversation in the springtime
0: yeah and I mean at the very least if you're the Flames you need Elias Lindholm to be playing well he gets himself a goal against Seattle he had that big night against the Canucks um you you want Noah Hannafin to play well, he had a good start to the year, maybe trailed off a little bit, but I think he's been solid for the most part. You want Chris Tanev to stay healthy, yeah, and you want Nikita Zadorov to be playing well. Like it's turned into this thing where, and, and I don't think it's necessarily the wrong thing to have happen, but instead of being able to appreciate the Flames kind of digging themselves out of the hole that they kind of dug themselves, there's like a part of me that has to like keep in mind the fact that like this might not last. And you know, at some point, this team is going to have to finalize that decision of of these pending UFAs and getting assets for them to to build themselves up for for years to come. like that's that's how this team is going to go forward. Like they'll eventually be able to the cool thing about this too is', uh, is the fact that the young players are are getting that shine too. And I guess that also just kind of, you know, adds to what's been going on now or maybe softens the blow with the fact that some of these guys are gonna have to go. but like, you know, once Jacob Peltier is healthy enough to play, um, like in the new year, that's likely what's going to have to happen. Uh, when they eventually call back up Matthew Coronado. Like, uh, you know what? I'll say this. Like, even if they have to retool, I've been really pleasantly surprised at the core of younger players, at least to start off this season for the Flames. And I get why some people are looking at how they're playing and thinking, hmm, maybe all you have to do is just plug in younger players around these guys. But even if you retool these, you retool, and trade away Hannafin, you trade away Lindholm, and you get younger players, you get draft picks. I think if you're the flames and you see the progress that's been done with young players, you have right now, you got to really like your team going forward. If you're not going to win games, you have to sell hope. And if those guys are able to keep that going for next year, like that's a good, that's a good foundation to have. And eventually when you want that successful team for when the arena opens, Mm -hmm. I think you have at least a good start with the foundation, I think.
1: Okay, so look at it from from this perspective now, Julian, and, and maybe you answered it in your last answer there, but I'm curious if you were to pinpoint one reason, two reasons, why it feels like this is a, a different, I don't know if it's a different group or they're getting different results than they were a couple of weeks ago, What would you what would you look at and say, I think that's the main reason why?
0: this sounds kind of weird to say, but it feels like when the Nikita Zadorov trade request happened and whatever meetings they had since, that's as close as I could think of to a mentality shifting and saying that they're going to keep stuff in house and, you know, just simplifying things. They they had been saying that near the end of uh, that losing streak that they were on, mm-hmm. but it, it, even then, like, they they looked okay, but just the attitude and mentality and confidence wasn't at the level that we see it at now for whatever reason and even trying to ask guys like I don't think you could get like as much of a straight answer in terms of what a potential turning point could be Uh, and, and I think it's good that the fact that the players have been able to finally adjust to these new coaching adjustments from Ryan Huska and Mark Savard and Dan Lambert but where would this team be without some of that noise that they had to push through over the last little while it might have it would have obviously been worse had they had lost those games last week on that road trip and they go into Vancouver and they lose and it's just it's seen as a mess but I wonder where they're at without those meetings uh we, we've heard Michael Backlund say that he spoke to a player like Francis and said okay that was obviously Nikita Zdorov and Ryan Huska addressed the team like, I, I wonder how much those meetings, those encounters, how much that just kind of put everyone in line and how that got everyone just to focus on the games ahead with this team. I, I, I think that that, for me, that's one, that, that is a place I would look at in terms of trying to explain, okay, why has this team been so focused? Why has this team been more confident? I think they found a way to get themselves going out of those meetings and just focus on playing for each other and focus who wants to be in the room, essentially and just going forward from there.
1: Yeah, you know what? It's not a crazy thought, man. It's one that crossed my mind, too, as I wonder if that wasn't a solidifying moment for this group, for for backs to, to come out and say, hey, look, enough is enough with the extra stuff. You know, if you want to go and have that conversation with Craig, go and have it, but, you know, outside of that, we don't need agents on Twitter or we don't need reports about this or that. We need to focus on on winning hockey games and and playing hockey the right way. And then it'll kind of tune itself. You know, I don't know if it's ever going to turn itself around. That's still a question that we're going to have to follow along with, but I don't think you're crazy to think that that's a solidifying moment for this group because there's enough veteran guys in that, in that room, Julian, that regardless of, of contract status or trade request or whatever you want to talk about, we know there's enough guys in that locker room that, aren't going to let that dictate what this season is. And the first guy that comes to mind is Chris Tanev, but you know, there's enough of those other guys. zadorov has been through this uh, a bunch of times. He's been on different teams. I just, I don't feel like that was ever going to, I guess it could have derailed the team, but I didn't think it was going to be, especially after we heard that report from backs.
0: I don't think it's necessarily like, I can understand your point. Like it might not have derailed the team, but I still think that, off of everything that was kind of going on with with zadorov having to you know speak to the media about how the trade request came to be in dan milstein's tweets um i was i think i was in the air when this was going on but like nazim kadri having to answer questions about you know if he wants to stay if this ends up being a rebuild like i don't know it just felt like around then and you know, hey, they got win- they got the win in Montreal too. But like just around then is the time when these they were this team was getting points. And I think while, yes, you were able to call up young players like Azaria or Pospisil, and they made some immediate dividend if dividends on that line with Nazim Kadri, I mean, what's wrong with, with suggesting that them focusing up? And I'm not saying you're saying this, but like what's nope. wrong with suggesting that the idea that, like, you know, hey, we need to save our season here we need to get everyone in gear here and get everyone going and not pay attention to what's being said about us outside we need to focus on us like i think that makes that makes sense like i think of when i when i spoke with Blake Coleman a couple days ago and he says about how you know they've had enough meetings to to talk about this type of stuff and how winning shuts people up like i mean they might not say it, it's, it's the train D turning point, but like at some point after these meetings, like you, you just say, you know what, you shut up, you just go out there and you play. Like, I, I see that as an obvious turning point for this team.
1: How impressed have you been with the the level of fight back from this group? Uh, to me, it seems night and day compared to the group that was in that six game losing streak, Julian. It felt like if it got to, I said it earlier, two, nothing or three, one, you could kind of start writing your game story and, you know fill in the the bits and pieces from uh, for the rest of the game but it certainly would uh, behoove you if you turned away last night in the third period thinking that this game was over because right now the Calgary Flames have no problem fighting back in games and and you know like we said either you know making it interesting like they did on Saturday and losing in the shootout or finding a way to win like they did in overtime on Monday night
0: yeah like i feel like i'm at a point now where I sort of expect the Flames to push back in third period games now, in games where they're down in the third period. Like, I, I, I think they've shown this level of confidence where they've been in those situations before, and they're willing to put the work in to at least try to make a game of it. I mean, again, that Islanders game, I understand it didn't go their way in the end, but they had two goals in that third period to, to, to make it interesting. And to to fight back in this in that game, uh, you look at how they they battle in in Seattle and they come back and they win. Like there, there's a different there's a different energy mm-hmm. with with how this team has been able to conduct itself. I'm not saying they're going to be world beaters all of a sudden, but I think that the fact that we've we've seen them change in the third period compared to what it was like in that losing streak too, because there were games where they were still in it in that streak. And just in the third period, they, they fell off. Like the game against Pittsburgh comes to mind where they were still fighting up against that Sidney Crosby-led team. And they just responded with an avalanche of goals. And Calgary was just helpless. I don't see that in this roster right now. And it helps that Jacob Barkstrom has played as well as he's played through this point in the year. It absolutely helps that Jonathan Huberto seems like he's woken up and he's playing better. Nelson has looked better. Elias Lindholm over the last few games. That was a guy who I was wondering when we were going to start to turn the temperature on him because his start was not great. And then the the morning of uh, the Vancouver game, he gets that media attention, and then he ends up having a three point night. Like I, I just think for those guys in that room, it's good that they're going on this stretch. It's good that they're they're getting those results in. It's just you know the next fifteen or sixteen games or so are going to be super tough where they're going to be seeing Dallas, Vegas and Colorado twice. They get LA I know before the holiday break. There's a lot riding on this team over the next few over this next like 15, 16 games and I'm at the very least they've been able to pick up points, but it's going to say a lot about this team depending on how they play over these next few weeks.
1: Can that be their identity, Julian? We mentioned talking to Blake Coleman and I remember hearing him on Saturday in the locker room when, when Wes asked him about him leading the team in goals. And he said, yeah, I guess that's kind of who we are. We're a team. That's not going to have a hundred point first line, but we're going to score up and down the lineup. And now we've kind of gotten this recent, you know, stretch of games where they're not going to be pushed around in the third period, regardless of, of what the score is. Is that a, a reasonable identity for this group to try and assume the next couple of weeks or however long this can last for in your mind?
0: If they win, absolutely. But if it doesn't work out against teams like a Dallas or a Colorado or a Vegas like that, I think more than anything is that that's where we're going to start saying, hmm, I don't think this is viable because those are all three teams that are expected to be cup contending teams. And I think if you look at all three of those lineups, they have star players, but they have depth behind them that can contribute if those star players are. Are, are having an off night or they're not producing at the level that you exactly want them to perform. And while I think Calgary, I think when they're playing at their best, they can play solid hockey and up and down the lineup, you have solid players. They just still don't have a sufficient amount of star power and star quality that puts them over the top. So this could be their identity. And if it works for them to a certain extent, sure, like, you run with it, but I also think like if you're really going to be a contending team, especially in that Western Conference, you need star players. You need players who will deliver. And I know there are going to be people who are going to look at Edmonton and say, hey, well, they they have two of the best players in the world, and it's looking a lot more like they're going to miss the playoffs than make them, but at the same time, they have playoff runs uh, that they've, they've gone farther in the playoffs in recent years than the Flames have. Yep. And a big reason why is because of those star players. And if anything with that team, it's goaltending that has let them down. And they haven't necessarily solved that problem as of yet. So I think if you're the Flames, you like the fact that your guys are solid. You like the fact that up and down the lineup, it's a solid team that at its best will be able to win games 2-1, 3-2. Maybe you get like a 5-4 win in there sometimes. But going forward, is that viable? Like, if the Calgary Flames want to ascend to Stanley Cup contender status, you need a player or two that is upper echelon that you're going to be able to rely upon when things get heavy. And I need to see a lot more out of this roster, especially in this in this stretch, before I can say that they have that because that's that was a problem for them last year. I think it was a problem entering the season for them too there's no game breakers on this team or there there aren't enough game breakers on this team for them to be truly taken seriously with the other big teams in the conference.
1: He's Julian McKenzie, uh contributor here to at 960 as well, uh covering the Calgary Flames for the Athletic. He's joining us down the Alice Pizza and Sports Bar Guest Hotline this afternoon. Flames pick up a win on game 1 of 4 of this road trip uh 4-3 the win in Seattle last night in overtime. Wanted to ask you about Jonathan Huberto, your thoughts on his play of late uh, took a lot of heat. The benching was a big moment. Obviously, the season that we've talked about, but I think we're seeing a guy that's found some comfort with Backlund and Coleman, and uh, has maybe been able to use that good game against Vancouver last week as an opportunity to to springboard his game a bit. How do you see number ten of late here with the Calgary Flames?
0: He looks good. He looks confident, uh, and that was what that is what was missing from him. To start off this season, it was getting to a point where that confidence just, it it looked shot, to be quite honest with you. And he knew that. And something just kind of happened over the last few days where him being slotted with Michael Backlund, where even though I don't have the stats in front of me, just off the eye test, I thought he did look good with Michael Backlund at points last year. And for him to be able to reunite with him. I think is it's it's something he needs. Like you've heard other, you've seen it for Michael Backlund as long as you've been able to watch him. And I think of, of something Matthew Coronado said earlier this year about playing with him. He's a guy who does everything. Michael Backlund, just the 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 work in the dirty areas, the defensive work, keeping pucks in the offensive zone. Like I think that plays a role in why that line is able to see to see success. Um, earlier this week, I shouted out. Um, I believe their name is. Vanessa Keswer, they wrote a really yep. good piece. Yeah, on Pat Jonathan and Aaron Huber. had her on last week. Yeah. Yeah, they they wrote a really good piece on, on what it takes for Jonathan Huberto to get himself going. And one of the things that we saw, at least I saw last week uh, against the Islanders, the defense needs to be more activated and it needs to be a lot more, you know, just moving uphill and giving Jonathan Huberto these passing opportunities, right? Because we see it all the time where, he tries to go up the wing, someone pins him at the wall, and he's fighting for this puck, and the offense is dead. But if you find him in a situ- if he's in a situation where, even if he has a man on him and he's looking, and you see that trailer entering the offensive zone, he needs movement on his line, and he, ne- he needs movement around him, and he can afford to move a little bit himself, but he needs guys around him who are shifty, who are able to get themselves open, who have some pace to them, that's where you're going to see success. And obviously he needs to shoot. And he shot uh <laughs> the other night, like and, and, and it's worked out. Yeah. So I, I think if he's able to just continue to truck to, to truck along there, I think that's gonna be fine. I think I mean obviously you want him to perform at the level of a ten and a half million dollar player. But right now you need anything to get that man going and you're starting to see it. He seems like he's fine. Like I, I got to ask him the other day, like hey like how are you doing? And he seems like he's he told me straight up, like, you know what? Hey, like, I'm, I'm doing good. Like, it's just good that these last few games have, have, have gone his way. And he needs that to keep going in order for him to maintain success. Yeah, I've always
1: wondered about, ever since Jonathan had some of those point struggles, man, I've I wondered when we talked about confidence with him, how hard it must be to get confidence going when the puck isn't going in the net and you can't. Look, as much as it's, it probably sounds a bit. I don't know if it sounds petty or whatever. If it's hard, to, I think it would be hard to look at the score sheet and be like, "Yeah, I had a really good good night again, but there were still zero points on the board," if you know what I mean, right? Like it's got to be so much easier for that guy to get some real confidence going being able to look back even just the last couple of games and be like, "Yeah, I I contributed and I can feel good about my night and I can feel that confidence building because I just I can't imagine how hard it would be even playing well, knowing the expectation is for you to put points on the board every night, and you weren't doing that.
0: It sure seems like good karma going Huberto's way, because when you mentioned that, the first thing I think of is the night he got benched against Nashville and how miserable he had looked. But when his team was playing well, he celebrated with his guys. He made sure yep. to to be there when his guys scored. And, and at the end of the game, you see him in line, you know, giving his props to Jacob Markstrom and all that. Like he did everything he could to, you know, still be a part of the team, even though he was going through a miserable experience and to see his, his teammates after that benching leap to his defense, like a Dylan Dubé as an example saying like, Hey, like it's one moment in his life. He'll be all right. Like he's still one of the more positive, most positive people I've ever been around. I still think that matters a lot for a player like Jonathan Huberto. You know, I I, I think of uh, a radio hit that was done in Quebec on uh, BPM Sport. uh one of the personalities there. I think it was Jebel Delorme, who basically just kind of seared into him and called him like a fat cat, you know, just because of the fact he has his contract. He's not playing at this high level. Yeah. And look, I, he obviously would want to play better. He obviously would not want to have that distinction of that, that massive point drop last year. But I do not get the sense that this is this fat cat lazy player who you know is just happy with making 10 and a half million per and you could just hang his stick up like I think there's there's pride in that guy your teammates there's, don't there's, don't act
1: well the way they have and say the things they have about him if that's the case I, I agree I don't believe exactly. that for a second
0: I, here's the thing I think there are different ways if it got to that point where he was like that where the players could still try to show support but I don't think they they do it the same way you know, I still think of one of the games on the road trip, might have been the Ottawa game where he was still in that rut. Like, there's like this little shot where all these guys are about to head on to the ice, and it's Mackenzie, Uyghur, and Huberto about to get on. And you see, like, Uyghur, like, straight up hug him. Uh, and, they're, like, I get it. They're boys. They've, they've played with each other. They played against each other in junior. They played with each other in Florida. And then this happened. So they have a relationship dating back a long time. But, like, I think to have people like Uyghur or Dupe or other guys in his corner, I think that goes a long way to helping him foster back that confidence and to see him where he's at right now. And I don't know. And I, I don't think he's a lazy player. I still think there's a, he has a lot more to give because I still, I still think he's a talented player. I can understand there's like some fit issues there, but I don't know. I, I, I think Jonathan Huberto, the fact that he's getting these points in, I think that's a cool story. And, uh, you know, we'll see how it goes between now and the end of the year. But, I, I think the fact that he's had the support come his way and he's responded positive positively to it, as much as the fans too. Like I think there are some fans who were obviously not happy with him, but there are some fans who kind of felt bad with how he took that benching. Yeah, and they're leaping to his defense too. So I think that's a really fascinating story to follow over this uh, this stretch of games.
1: Uh, two more for you before we let you go, Julian. Um, my colleague at Sportsnet, Justin Bourne, uh, put up the list. Uh, After the Flames play Nashville tomorrow, they have 15 games before Christmas um, and some really tough opponents coming their way. Obviously, Dallas and Colorado on this road trip. They come back home to see Vegas and then Dallas again. You've got Vancouver. You see Colorado again. You see Vegas again. uh, New Jersey's mixed in there. Tampa Bay is mixed in there. Uh, It is a very difficult stretch down till all the way before christmas their last game is in los angeles on saturday december 23rd how important is it do you think that this stretch that we're going to try to learn about this team and really get that final i don't know if finals the right word for it but get a a maybe more definitive understanding of what this group is you think that's what's going to happen over the next month and a bit here
0: it could especially if uh it goes the losing way where they lose against the teams we expect them to lose. And then we just realize, Hey, this team just isn't good enough and they need to retool. If they win those games though, what does that say about this team? Like we're going to start looking at, uh, you know, did Colorado play a a, a second out of a back to back. What about Dallas? What about Tampa? What about Florida? What about New Jersey? If they're able to hang up against those teams, we're going to have to look closer at the quality of those wins and see what they have to do to get to that point. If it gets to that point, I mean that's that's just a tough. I have the schedule in front of me. That is just tough. Like literally, like <laughs> it is tough, the man. first what three six nine ten the first the, the ten games where you have Dallas Colorado Vegas Dallas Vancouver Minnesota Carolina New Jersey Colorado Vegas. That is tough. That is, like I know Minnesota's in there. They've underwhelmed, but like good lord, like that is a murderer's row of games. Yeah. Um, and then after that you get Vegas Minnesota Tampa Bay Florida. Anaheim, it's like the one gimme. Yeah, they're, they're like 500.
1: That, they're like 500.
0: And if you lose that game, what does that say about your team? Yeah, yeah I think it's definitely going to say a lot about this team going forward. And But uh, I'll say this. Even if the team, even if the Flames lose a lot of those games, if the players who are pending UFAs look good, that might be as, as ideal of a scenario as you can have it, if you're Craig Conroy. You lose games, you try to get ahead on on improving your draft standing while also, you know, making your players who could be trade assets look good. And and I know I've, I've mentioned, you know, Chris Tanev being healthy. Like, I think for him, like, if he's healthy, that's enough. If you're Nikita Zadorov and you show off a little few more moments where you're able to show off the clopper bomb from the point or from the side and, and your skating ability, that's enough. Lindholm, I think, needs to be in a position where he's playing well enough. And, and Noah Hannafin, too, needs so to play, continue to play a solid game. Like, if you're at that point and the team's not doing well, you could, li- you could live with that, I think.
1: Yeah, I think I'm with you there. Uh, before we let you go, Julian, what's going on uh, at The Athletic? I know you're on The uh, Athletic Hockey Show with Ian Mendez, mm-hmm. uh, going through some of the stuff around the league, but... Uh, can you tease us with anything? Can you you want to promote anything you've coming up around the corner? What can you let us know? Just,
0: just, uh, the, about shows, your stuff? Man. just the shows, Just the shows. Just the shows, man. Right now, man. I mean, obviously, if some really interesting stuff pops up this week, I'll I'll get to writing. I've I've got I've got a few things I've been I've been meaning to work on. So this I'm actually kind of happy I get this week where I just get to stay back here and just work on that stuff. Uh, but yeah, I, I put out a, a mailbag call in the other day, and uh, a lot of people asked me questions about whether or not this team should rebuild. The pros and cons of rebuilding a couple days earlier, I wrote about how the Montreal Canadiens should be a model for the Canadians for, for the Flames to look at in terms of retooling with how they've acquired young players, how they've dealt with expensive contracts and played and built around them. Uh, I know a lot of people will look at the Dallas Stars, and while there's some realistic elements to take from them, a big reason why they're successful is because they struck it rich with the <laughs> 2017 draft class yeah. that got them high in Robertson and Audinger. Like, how many teams do you know can get a franchise winger, a franchise number one defenseman, and a franchise goalie in the same class? Montreal, I think it's just a little bit more realistic in terms of the model for them to emulate for for a retooling. But uh, the Flames have to get to that point first.
1: Check him out on The Athletic or on Twitter or X, whatever you call it. He's at JKA McKenzie. Uh, you know him, you love him from uh, contributing here on Sportsnet 960. And, of course, covering the Calgary Flames for The Athletic. JK, appreciate you, man. Thank you for hopping on today. Uh, enjoy the rest of the week and enjoy the game on Wednesday. Hey, sounds good. Talk to you soon, Flash. Catch up soon. Julian McKenzie joining us down at the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar. Guest hotline this afternoon, talking all things Calgary Flames with one of my absolute favorites in the industry. Check him out. Like I said, check out his work on The Athletic. He's on the Athletic Hockey Podcast. Uh, he's got great stuff on Twitter. Uh, one of the best out there. Julian McKenzie joining us this afternoon. We got to take a break. We'll come back on the other side. Uh, interesting reports from uh, Frank Sarvalli and Daily Faceoff about an international tournament that won't be a World Cup for hockey. We'll talk about that next when Sportsnet Today returns here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right, quick look at the text line at 960-960. It's the fan feedback line. It's always open to you here on Sportsnet Today. Read some of your text following our conversation with Julian McKenzie from The Athletic. Uh, Big Mike texted in and say, hey, Logo and crew, always love hearing Julian's take. If no one has seconded that Tim Peel is an abusive asshat, I would like to do so. Now, I'm not touching Tim Peel and Speck and all the other Twitter drama. No thank you. <laughs> Former referees on Twitter and writers and journalists, I'm... I love you, Big Mike, but I am not, I am not touching that. Uh, this text says, my biggest takeaway from this last couple of weeks for the Flames is that they're actually fun to watch again. I caught myself glued to the screen last night. It was great. Haven't felt that way in a long time about this team. And this text says, if we could get Nylander, Huberto would be a 100-point player again. It's that simple, Taylor. Just get Nylander.
2: Just, just acquire for, William it, Nylander.
1: Tanev and Zodorov for Nylander. right? Just, just pick
2: them up at the airport, yeah. put them in your pocket, and then bring come, them to Calgary.
1: Come back from Sweden, had your fun, and just, just hop on in. Willie. Eighty eight all saved for you here in Calgary. You can keep the same jersey number, you can play where your dad played. Just that easy. You need defensemen. We need scoring. It's just that easy. Uh, 960-960, if you're listening live, continue to send us uh, your messages. If I don't get to them, Cam or Taylor likely will. It's where they live when they're not doing other work. Isn't that right, Cam? That's right, buddy. I'm depressed. Are you okay over there?
2: I'm just very sleepy.
1: Jeez. (laughs) Thanks for chiming in, Cam. Hey, you're welcome, buddy. Yeah, I guess. Yeah,
2: yeah. I guess.
1: I guess I'll text with them.
2: all I text ever do. Line. Yeah.
1: What's wrong with him, Taylor? You had a Wranglers Hi. game tonight. You should be getting your Wranglers jacket on. You should be all excited. But you're a sleepy boy at mid-afternoon.
2: It's because my, I made a coffee at, the, at work today at the office, and it was not good. The office, as in this office? As in this office. I mean, it sounded as if you had some other
1: job to go to, but no. this is your only
2: and it was Office a. Job. it was not up to to par for me today so we're running on a it was not up to coffee, what does that coffee? mean Free are you day. like a
1: coffee snob like is it a, a little bad bit. coffee is that what you're saying
2: yeah yeah i'm a bit of a snob so it wasn't it, it wasn't you
1: have four red bulls a day i like two what does a coffee matter <laughs> You drink Tim Hortons coffee. Now, again, I don't drink coffee, mm-hmm. but I've been led to believe that Tim Hortons is a meh brand of coffee. It has,
2: uh, yeah, it, it has kind of fallen off of a cliff. So, for you years. to be a,
1: a coffee snob and say that the office coffee maker is Nor- doesn't provide Which is what's normally, close to Tim Hortons, I don't know. It seems like a. It's
2: normally pretty good. I think I might have just gotten a bad, uh, bad pod to put in the machine. We'll try again later.
1: If you have uh, coffee questions from our coffee connoisseur, Cam960960. Taylor, do you drink coffee? I don't know. I actually don't know the answer to that question.
2: I can't even stand the smell of coffee. Okay,
1: so we're in the same boat. I thought Tim Horton's coffee was supposed to be terrible, and that's what Cam has every single day.
2: (laughs) He'll switch it up sometimes and bring in a McDonald's coffee or true. something.
1: It doesn't mean, like, if I'm thinking about a coffee snob, I think you'd go to some, like, local coffee shop downtown or something, but you just you just get
2: generic. Time is money, baby. I leave as late as humanly possible yeah, that's to get very here. very true. And so I don't want to be sitting in line in Starbucks for 10 minutes to wait for my coffee. No, so. you, never mind. I'm not going to say Timmy's, I know, is, is going to be the same every time. I can respect you can just, that. You can just order ahead. This is true. It requires f- forethought, which I do not have. Get up, brush your teeth, order your coffee, eat breakfast, head out, pick up the coffee, get to work. If it were that easy, Taylor. If it were that easy. It quite literally is that easy.
1: Uh, Those are my outstanding producers, Cam and Taylor. They're along with me every day here on Sportsnet today. Uh, More coffee talk later. Uh, I did want to mention this, though. Interesting story coming down the pipeline from Frank Saravalli and Daily Faceoff. He's our NHL insider. Uh, Joins Pat on Flames Talk. You'll hear from him a little bit later on on this uh, Tuesday. But uh, interesting to hear the NHL and the NHLPA closing in on an agreement that will give us international hockey back starting with a tournament in February 2025, but it's not going to be your traditional World Cup of Hockey. Uh, according to NHLPA Executive Director Marty Walsh, uh, who talked to Daily Faceoff in Stockholm as part of the NHL's Global Series, uh, it sounds like we're talking about a four-team tournament for February 2025. Canada, Finland, Sweden, and the United States. Uh, they'd like to have some games in Europe as part of this agreement, but nothing's been finalized or decided on no name for the tournament or branding probably won't be IHF sanctioned and will only involve NHL teams. The NHL and NHLPA have been working for a while now at trying to get international hockey back on a regular schedule. Uh, of course, means working with the IOC and the IHF. Uh, To have NHL players back in the Olympics beginning in 2026 in Milan, Italy. Uh, And the plan is to announce a a comprehensive schedule that alternates between Olympics and World Cup of Hockey tournaments every two years. So that's the plan. And 2025 seems to be the soonest that this is going to get off uh, the ground and actually lead to a tournament. But I'm curious... Like is a four-team international tournament of interest to anyone. Now, of course, and I'm not. This is not going to turn into a political dis- discussion. Um, it's it's how things go right now. But uh, Russian players not expected to be allowed to in, uh, be involved in the tournament. That's why uh, they've kept it to the four teams, and they're not expanding to a team North America of under twenty three players or a team Europe. They're just going to keep it at four, it sounds like, to start this one off. Again, we don't even know what this tournament looks like. If it's best of three, is it round-robin format, however they're going to make it work. I've seen some people excited about this just to get international hockey back and off the ground because we've wasted so much time without international hockey that anything is better than nothing. But I've seen some people that have gone, okay, if you can't get all the best hockey players together for this and you're going to limit it to four countries, then I would rather just wait until you can get as many people involved as possible. Are you going to get great hockey for Canada, Finland, Sweden, the United States? Absolutely. You are, but you're going to leave off some of the best talent in the world for that tournament. And I'm not saying I have the answer to it, I'm just curious if a four-team tournament in the middle of an NHL season in February of 2025 does anything from a fan perspective. Like, does that excite you? Like, Taylor, to me, it seems like a bit of a – I don't know. It seems weird. Like, a good majority of the NHL will go and partake in this tournament, but then there's going to be guys – whose countries aren't participating, who will just use this as a big break during the middle of the season. I'm kind of leaning towards I would just wait until you can get as many teams participating as possible. Four kind of seems like, I don't know if, if cop-out's the right word, but it kind of feels like you're going to leave some really good talent at home.
2: Like that. That's kind of where I am too, but also when... you If, if it's just for NHL players, yeah, you're going to have... Mitch Marner, McDavid on the same team at some point. But you're still also missing out on half of some of the best players if you're excluding out teams in Europe or AHL, guys like that.
1: Yeah, it's just, I don't, I don't know. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm excited for international hockey. Like, it's I've waited so long. We've essentially missed out on anything to do with McDavid and Crosby and those kind of eras intersecting at their best, and that will forever be something that I'm sour about as a as a Canadian hockey fan, that two of our best generational players might not ever have an opportunity. I mean, who knows? Maybe in 2025, Crosby's still going and is part of a Team Canada, hypothetically, but it's not like he's going to be the same guy he was when we could have had some of these other international tournaments. So yeah, I don't know. I, I think the NHL is going to have a hard time selling this to a number of different players and teams, because again, you're going to take a a long break for this to happen. It's going to be a week or two weeks or whatever in the middle of the season. And guys like Leon Dreisaitl, who's, of German, destiny. he's not going to get to go. You've got uh, Czech players and all these other ones. There's a lot of good hockey players that aren't going to be a part of this and are going to get a, a mid-season break. I'm kind of, if you just, I'd rather you just shove it all in at once. If you can't get it going 100%, percent you have to start it off with the Olympics in 2026, then that's when it should start. I'm happy they're working on international hockey again, but kind of sucks to sit here and, and say that so many good players aren't going to be able to be a part of it because they're limiting it to four in 2025. But we'll see. Nothing's official on that. They're working towards it. That's the initial report uh, that Daily Faceoff got from Stockholm at the NHL's Global Series. They want to make games in Europe for that. They want to have all NHL players. There's a lot of details to work out. <laughs> As our good friend Shubes text in, uh, tournament doesn't do it for Shuby, so... Uh, We're not the only thing. We're not the only ones uh, not down with a short four-team tournament that uh, is potentially coming down the road in 2025. Uh, Some other headlines uh, around the sporting world as we wrap up here on a Tuesday. Some NFL news. Uh, Darius Leonard has been waived by the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, 28-year-old, two seasons removed from an all-pro campaign. He was a second-round pick in 2018 and was an All-Pro uh, in three of his first four NFL seasons. Only appeared in three games last year. has gone through some back surgeries. Um, maybe not the same All-Pro player that he was, but an interesting name on the NFL waiver wire as the season gets into the second half. Uh, the Steelers have fired offensive coordinator Matt Canada. Um, that was uh, following their loss to the Cleveland Browns, 13-10. On Sunday, which dropped them to six and four on the season, but it was the fourth time this season that Pittsburgh was held to ten points or less, and the fifth time this team, uh, fifth time this season, that the team was limited to just one offensive touchdown or less. So uh, clearly, a change needed to happen for the Steelers, uh, despite being at six and four on the season. Uh, if you're only scoring ten points a game, you're lucky that you're. Uh, Anywhere near six and four on the season. So Matt Canada relieved of his duties as offensive coordinator for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, We heard from Patrick line for the first time today, following his benching uh, by head coach, Pascal Vincent in Columbus Uh, calls it the most embarrassing thing uh, in his career. Uh, Says he was blindsided by the decision. He has two goals and one assist in nine games this season. Uh, he did miss time earlier this year following that hit from Rasmus Anderson uh, that got him suspended for four games with the Blue Jackets. Uh, just awful this year. They are last in the Eastern Conference. They've lost nine games in a row. Uh, not good right now. Lina has averaged 34 goals and 32 assists per 82 games in his eight-year NHL career. Uh, of course, the second overall pick by the Jets in 2016 before dealing him to Columbus in 2021 as part of the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade. So we'll see how he bounces back. Looks like he'll be in the lineup for their next game on Wednesday, according to Aaron line who covers the Blue Jackets, um, on a line with Adam Fantilli, so maybe that'll get him going. But yeah, he was a healthy scratch on Sunday for their 5-2 loss to the Philadelphia Flyers, so things not going good at all for the Columbus Blue Jackets. And of course, Monday Night Football, uh, was last night, the Eagles picking up a victory in the Battle of the Kelseys. The Andy Reid Bowl, if you want to call it that as well. Uh, they are moved to a nice 9-1 and one on the season. Chiefs fall to 7-3. and three. NFL Week 12 action gets going with three games on Thursday. Of course, U.S. Thanksgiving coming up. So you have the Packers and the Lions on Thursday at 10.30 Calgary time. Commanders, Cowboys go at 2.30. And then Thursday night football, it's the 49ers and the Seahawks. Friday afternoon football as well with the Dolphins and the Jets. That's going to put a bow on the show for this Tuesday. A quick thank you to both of our guests, David Amber from Hockey Night in Canada and Julian McKenzie, who covers the Flames for the Athletic. Uh, They joined us on the program today. If you missed any of it, uh, check it out on the podcast, Google, Amazon, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcast. Subscribe and come along for the ride with us. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, thank you to my outstanding producers, Cam and Taylor, uh, for their great work, despite Cam being sleepy because of poor office coffee. Hopefully we'll be able to get him bounced back. For, for, <laughs> you slap, we'll try again tomorrow. You slap your hand there. Are you mad that I brought that up? No, I just <laughs> thought it was funny. Uh, Cam will be bouncing back. He'll be spinning tunes at the Wranglers game tonight. That's uh, no NHL games on. You might as well tune into your radios tonight. Uh, we got Wranglers hockey. On your radios, Uh, I got pregame with GVP coming up at 6 o'clock tonight. It's the Wranglers and the Roadrunners. Sandra Priscina and Matt Rose uh, have the call on Sportsman at 960, so be tuned into that. And a quick thank you to you, the listener, whether you listen live or on the podcast. Really appreciate it. If you send us a text on the fan feedback line at 960960, we appreciate it. We'll be back on Wednesday to get you set for another Calgary Flames game day. It's the Flames and the Nashville Predators game 2. Of the four-game road trip for the Calgary Flames. Still to come this afternoon. Real Kipper and Bourne is next. Pat's got Flames talk with Wes Gilbertson this afternoon. And then we'll hit it up for Calgary Wranglers pregame at 6. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. Back tomorrow here on Sportsnet 960. The Fan.